Women Taking the Lead, Episode 56. You know, learning lessons and having disasters and, you know, traumas, we learn from those experiences. I don't think anything can be learned from worrying. I just don't. I think it's the one thing that can be totally erased from, you know, humanity and we'll never miss it. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Valerie Groth, who received her bachelor's degree in psychology from Indiana University, attended Dominican University, where she received her master's in social work, and most recently received her second master's degree in educational leadership from Concordia University. Before starting her business, Val worked for many years as a school social worker in the inner city schools of Chicago. She worked with students in crisis, providing individual and group counseling services to students dealing with abuse, neglect, violence, hunger, mental illness, and she also worked to provide immediate psychiatric hospitalization for students who were suicidal or homicidal. She is now coaching individuals who come to her from around the world. She believes that everybody is capable of living an energized and impassioned life, and she loves to make the impossible possible. I love that. Valerie is also a motivational speaker, the host of the Inspiration with Val podcast, and is the founder of Ryan Banks Academy, a nonprofit seeking to build the first boarding school for inner city youth in Chicago. Wow, Val, you have quite a story here and a lot going on in your world. So tell us a little bit more about you and some of your own humble beginnings. Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Jody. It's so great to be here. Yeah. I love the idea of humble beginnings as a concept. I think that very much sums up my story in a lot of ways. Um, gosh, looking back, you know, and I'm happy to go into as much detail as you'd like, but when I think back to who I was when I was a little girl, I had all of these big dreams, um, like probably all kids do, right? I really wanted to make an impact on the world and I wanted to um, be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be an inventor. I wanted to create things and make a difference. And then something just changed, you know? I don't know exactly when that moment was, but, you know, as you get older and you go through middle school, especially girls, I think are extra susceptible to, you know, just kind of falling into that trap of peer pressure. So there came a point where I just didn't care as much about being an entrepreneur and creating and even my schoolwork. And I started to care too much about boys and my friends and what people thought about me. And that really affected me for a long time. And so when I think back to who I was when I was in middle school and high school, I didn't have a lot of self-esteem. I didn't have self-love. I definitely didn't you know, feel connected with who I am as a person authentically like I do now. Um, And even part of college, that was just a a, a big disconnect for me. And it wasn't until early adulthood when I really started to kind of come back to who I am and what's really important to me. And so it's interesting kind of looking back and seeing those different sides, you know, and spending so much of my life feeling um, just really stuck and not fulfilled 
um, not knowing what was important to me and not knowing that I was powerful and that I had the capability of doing really wonderful, amazing things in the world. And now over probably the past 10 years or so, really feeling like I am in that place of having that confidence and feeling empowered. So yeah, I think, you know, humble is a great way to describe it with, with my own personal story, because I think, you know, there was a long period of time where I didn't think that I was capable of doing the things that I'm doing now. And I know a lot of people listening feel that way. And, you know, there's big things that they kind of would like to get involved with, but, you know, maybe our self-esteem is suffering or people have put us down or we have all these beliefs and stories getting in the way. Um, And I I like to think that I'm a great example that anything really is possible because there was just such a long time where I didn't believe in myself, you know, and I've learned that um, you can cultivate that and grow that. And I definitely feel like I've come a long way in that area. Wow. And you know what? I'm sure everyone listening is so happy to hear that because I think some people, you know, are trying to cultivate that, that confidence and that belief in themselves that they can do anything. And it can feel so daunting because it feels like a big unknown. Like, how do I do that? Like, how do I get to that place? And, you know, you're clearly an example of somebody who did and you've come a long way and you are doing some crazy, awesome things right now and making a huge difference in the world. And I can hear it in your voice, like the confidence you've gained from where you were back in high school to to what's going on for you now. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Yeah, great question. And there are probably a million examples, right, of playing small in my life. But I'll tell you, the one that really comes up for me is actually, you know, I don't know how you thought I would answer the question or if it would be a career piece, but I think of actually uh, kind of what happened to me in a relationship. And I think that one of the biggest things that I did to play small was I, I married the wrong person. You know, I got married and then I got divorced because at the time, I don't think I realized what I deserved and who I deserved to be with. And I settled in a lot of ways and there were red flags and, you know, I, I played small and the more that I was in that relationship, the more that I played smaller and smaller until inevitably I just kind of remember feeling at the end, like I was just truly in this prison. Like I couldn't breathe and I was like wearing this stifling like vice on my chest. Like I just couldn't breathe and I felt like I was totally trapped and that there was no way out. And so I think the more you're in a relationship like that or the more you're in a career like that where you feel like you're just being stifled and you feel really stuck and constrained, you know, it's like you you play smaller and smaller and smaller and your options seem to get further and further away. So, you know, I made the choice um, to break out of that and to, to leave that relationship. Um, I got a divorce. It was really difficult. I wouldn't wish getting a divorce on anyone. It's not a fun experience. But what's really crazy about it is I can tell you with 100% honesty and certainty that getting a divorce was the best thing I've ever done. Absolutely, utterly, completely the best thing that I've done for myself. Um, aside from just getting out of that relationship, which wasn't where I needed to be, you know, I learned so much about myself and my inner strength and kind of what I do deserve and what I think that Um, you know, what I value in relationships and where are my non-negotiables. And that I think was such a great learning lesson. And I would not give that up for anything. So where I think, 
you know, you could easily look back and say, oh, gosh, I wish that I would have had the confidence back then to pick someone, you know, better in quotes, right? Or to not make that mistake in the first place. I don't think I would have done that over. I think I'm really thankful for that experience and that I didn't know how to play bigger. And then I made those mistakes and I regret a lot of things about that time. And it's sad to think of that wasted time in my life. Um, But the growing that happened as a result of getting that divorce was just so powerful for me. And Val, what was the moment? Was there a moment when you realized like, oh my God, I'm done. Like I'm just losing myself here. Or was it cumulative? What was that experience like for you? I think it was just kind of cumulative. And then you know, eventually you realize you just can't take that anymore. And there, there was a long time where I felt that way and it just kind of had to grow, um, you know, deeper and deeper, you know, the situation that I was in there, my ex-husband did a lot of things, um, that I think I didn't deserve to deal with. Like he, you know, he had a, a bit of a temper and could kind of get very emotionally and mentally abusive at times. Um, and I knew that that wasn't right. And so when that first started, I knew instantly that that was a really big red flag for me. I never had that kind of, you know, volatile, hostile relationship in my family growing up. Um, and I was very uncomfortable in that environment. Um, but kind of this situation, you know, the family that he came from, um, that was kind of the norm. And I thought, well, you know, that's what he saw growing up. And so, you know, the more time that he spends with me and my family, he'll realize that that's not normal, that's not healthy, and he'll grow out of that. You know, I can kind of shift him away from that. And I realized that it actually got harder and harder, not easier and easier over time. And, you know, I think often, you know, women like to get in relationships and think that they'll, they can change someone for the better. And I think everyone has the ability to change and adapt and Ideally, everyone finds a partner that's always willing to kind of work on themselves and to strive for personal growth. And so, yeah, people will change in that respect. Um, But that was just a big part of who he was. And over time, it got worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, you know, it would have been great to listen to the red flags that I saw early on and not think that I had the ability to change who he who he was deep down. Yeah. And it sounds like and I I'm. I know some women who've talked about this too, where they know things are not going good and they're spiraling out of control, but there's also an exit plan that doesn't happen in a moment. Like it, it, it's building and it's getting yourself ready. And the divorce, like you said, is very painful. It's a lot to go through. So I think for some of them, it was mentally preparing themselves to go through the divorce as well. They had to like build up their, their energy and their, their resolve that this is what needed to happen. So thank you for sharing that. Just, I, I know we don't want to focus at all on that too much, but the one question that I think I did ask myself, that is a great question for anyone else, I think to ask as well, if you're in a similar situation, you know, as I, I kept thinking, you know, if I could just stamp my fingers and be done you know, if I could set my fingers and not have to tell everyone, you know, because part of it is just kind of telling your family and telling your friends If I could set my fingers and be moved out and I wouldn't have to hire a mover and find a new place. I, I thought to myself, if I could do that. I would have done this three years ago. And that's when I knew that something had to change. And I think that's a really important question to ask. We so often we stay in those places, whether it's a relationship or whether it's a job or whether it's another kind of internal trap that you're putting on yourself, you know, because there's all these extra 
factors that go into it that make it harder to get away. And if you would make that quick exit plan, you know, instantly, if it wasn't for all those other things going on, like the other people and how they're affected, then that's a big sign that you have to make a change. Mm, That's a really great insight. Thank you for sharing that, Val. Um, Now I'm going to ask you to share a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. So take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. Sure. Um, There's been a lot of those as well. I'm trying to think of which one would be fun to talk about. So another possibly unconventional answer is I actually think um, if the divorce was one of the things that um, I grew most from in kind of a negative way, Um, one of the best things that I did for myself that got me kind of on this catalyst of a lot of growth was quite some time ago, I I ran my first marathon. And I think, you know, the marathon is an overused analogy for life, right? We always hear about that. Mm -hmm. But what it was for me was it was doing something that I always thought was completely impossible. I never knew how to run. I couldn't run a mile when I was younger, let alone running a full marathon of 26.2 miles. And so for me, training for something like that and getting to accomplish that and crossing the finish line, it was a really great example for me of, I actually can do whatever I want, you know? And it totally opened my, my, my eyes and my world to possibilities that I had never seen before. And so that was the one thing that truly made a huge difference in my life. And then from there on, you know, I continued to do a lot of things that were very much kind of outside of my comfort zone. And that's what I've learned the most from. So I think um, that was kind of what started things off. And then looking back, doing a lot of other things kind of like the marathon, whether it's, you know, something kind of adventurous um, or just something like, you know, what what you mentioned in terms of me starting my nonprofit, um, which is a huge monumental project that I always kind of thought that one day I would do, you know, maybe 20 years from now or 30 years from now when I have more time, when I have more money. But I've realized that doing those things that seem really impossible at the time are where all of the growth happens. And it's so much more fun that way, you know, and there's so many challenges. You know, I told you before we hit record, I had a big setback today, you know, with my nonprofit and I felt very disappointed about that. And that's going to happen when you do something really huge. And I don't think you can really experience those huge wins. We don't have those huge setbacks at the same time. Um, so it can be hard knowing that those, those losses will be big, but the gains are so much bigger as well. And that's when I've had the most fun and felt the most alive and fulfilled in my own personal life is from doing those big things that seemed totally impossible at the time. Yeah, that's awesome, Val. And I love what you're saying, because what I'm also hearing in that is, you know, some of the setbacks and the disappointments we experience also help to make us stronger for the next thing that's going on. Like, I think you can see in your lifetime, you've been able to take on bigger and bigger things, but it's because of the resilience that you've developed, you know, first from the marathon, you know, and now it'll be in your nonprofit that are only strengthening your resolve and your resilience to take on bigger and bigger things. Should you want to Mm -hmm. down the road? And what I'm also hearing is for you, a lot of times it's not like in a moment you have these like bursts of aha, though I'm sure you have those too. But for you, the things that seem to stand out um, and are very shareable are the things that you've learned over time cumulatively that have, that have ultimately rippled and made a difference in your life. Yeah, definitely. 
Awesome. And what I want everyone to get is there's no one way to lead. Um, just like the stories that you share are different from the stories that other people are sharing um, on my podcast, that because of our different strengths and our preferences and our personality styles, we're going to lead differently. And that's actually a good thing. So Valerie, how would you describe your leadership style? Mm, that's a great question. I keep saying that. Um, these are awesome questions. So I've actually, interestingly enough, in the past year, I've really had to step into leadership in a way that I haven't gotten the chance to do um, in previous years and previous roles. Um, a big part of that is with my nonprofit, I've had to to really run an entire team. So we have about 20 individuals who are on our board, who are volunteers for Ryan Banks Academy. And, you know, I used to work as a therapist. And so I never had a team under me, which is kind of me doing my solo mission. And so I really had to learn how it all works. Um, and I've had a lot of ups and downs in that area as well, trying to figure out, you know, what is that fine balance to really motivate um, and incentivize a team, especially when they're volunteers, which I think is very different than, you know, a model where you're a leadership role um, and you have paid employees beneath you, right, who have their own various incentives or why they're there um, and what their own personal why is. But for me, you know, I think it really comes down to actually not trying to, to overthink it and to try and fit myself into a leadership box or a various different leadership strategy. And, you know, I've read a lot about the different ways of being a leader and of managing a team. And I think what's worked best for me is just allowing my own personal strings to really come out and, you know, I think an example of that is a lot of people who have done similar things to me have come from a world of kind of being from the corporate world of business. And, you know, they run things very much like a, that type of corporate environment. And my work coming from being a social worker and a therapist, um, it's very different. It's very kind of heart centered and emotion driven. And it's very important for me to connect all of my different team members kind of as a community and to make sure that they feel very involved, you know, in terms of I want all my team members to to feel very invested in the mission um, and to make sure that all of the different tasks that they're doing are very fulfilling and rewarding for them. So for me, it's actually just been a place of stepping into, you know, how can I use my strings and not try to force myself into a box? And I think when I first started off, I saw other leaders around me or the leaders that I've worked for in the past and thought that I had to lead in that way. And I think I kind of tried that head on for a while and it just didn't fit. And I found that I've been the most effective when I just allow my own strengths and personal passions and interests to come out um, rather than trying to be what I'm not. Mm, and when I heard what you're, you were saying, and this makes perfect sense, given you know, having been a social worker and dealing with people on individual levels and coming from a very heart-centered and mission-driven place that when you started applying that to your nonprofit, like really, you know, connecting with people on the individual le level and coming from that heart-centered place and finding out what they were really passionate about, then things really started to take off for you. Yeah. That's huge. All right, Val, what's one thing that you're working on right now that you're excited about and want to share with us? Ooh, I have so many fun things going on. This is actually a really, really exciting time for me. I would say in terms of my business and what I do as a coach, um, you know, I have a, a fun program coming up 
called the Carpe Diem Academy that I'm launching. And a lot of what I do as a coach is one-on-one coaching, which I love, love, love. Um, but I know that that doesn't work out for everyone. And some people need something more affordable or, or that works into their schedule in a different way. So I'm offering a lot of my best material kind of condensed into a digital program that um, has a lot of the stuff that I do with my one-on-one clients, um, but is more affordable and you can kind of walk through it in your own way. Um, So I'm really excited to launch that hopefully in the next six weeks. And then for my nonprofit for Ryan Banks Academy, um, our our new website finally went live, which is super exciting. We've waited a long time (laughs) to have a nice website and the website is ryanbanksacademy.org. And that's really fun because now that we finally have a great website, we can go after um, donors and investors and kind of take things to the next step. Oh, that is super exciting. And Valerie, I'm curious, what, for the Carpe Diem Academy, who, who is the ideal person to be looking into that? Sure. So, you know, what I love to do the most is work with individuals who – um, have kind of lost a little bit of their self-love and self-trust along the way and to want to bring them back. So I spend a lot of time with my clients focusing on um, the self-love piece and kind of getting in touch with themselves in an authentic way, learning how to overcome limiting beliefs and fears that they've been dealing with in order to kind of create an empowered life from then on. So um, I would say, you know, it's, it's a great program for a lot of people. A lot of women really resonate with the program because I think women especially are so used to putting others first. Um, I have a lot of individuals who like the program because that's been what they've been doing for so long. Um, a lot of moms who have been putting their kids first or their husband first, and as a result, don't really know what's really important to them anymore and don't really even know you know, why they're valuable or what their passions are because they've been putting other people first for so long. Um, So I think it's a great way to kind of explore what's most important to you. And what I find with a lot of my clients is that where a lot of people get really stuck is they don't know what their core values and mission really are. And I think so often if I ask someone the question, you know, what's really important to you? What are your core values? They can tell me things, but often I think once you do a little bit of digging, you can find that you know, they're actually the values that were important to them 10 years ago. And things have really changed since then, right? Or that were really important to their parents and that were passed down to them or that society tells them are important. And so often I find clients getting really stuck because Mm. they're acting in alignment with those values that are really not what's true for them. So a lot of it revolves around um, how to get a lot of clarity on that, um, which is a really, really important piece. Awesome. Thank you for that. And for those listening, if you're really resonating with what Val is saying, then go check out the Carpe Diem Academy. So cool. All right, Val, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps to make you a better leader? I would definitely say um, I'm really proud of having a really solid morning routine. I know there's all of those articles going around about that, right? Like, you know, leaders meditate first thing in the morning and have a good breakfast yada, yada. It really is so important. I, I didn't do that for a while, um, but I've been doing that for a couple of years in a pretty solid way and it makes a big difference. So, you know, getting up and avoiding email first thing, avoiding social media, just having some time to journal and meditate is so important. And also I really have to prioritize my physical health as well. 
I know that when I'm able to make time to eat well and to exercise and to get enough sleep, I'm able to be my best self in all other parts of my life. But if that slips away, I'm not able to be as creative and productive and compassionate. Um, so that's always really important. Huge. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? That's a really hard one. Oh, so many great books, right? <laughs> I know. Yes. Yes, Jody. Um, <laughs> I think if at this at this very moment, I would say I really recommend Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Have you read that one? I have. Yeah, yes. It's a really good one. So Brene is fantastic. She is a social worker like me um, by training. She has a great TED Talk. If anyone listening hasn't seen the TED Talk, it's definitely worth watching. And so Daring Greatly is about just having the courage to be vulnerable and how vulnerable, uh, I guess vulnerability actually leads to strength and to being powerful in a lot of ways that we don't often recognize. And she has a new book that I haven't read yet, but I'm so excited. So all of Renee's work is really great, but Daring Greatly is a really good one. Yep. If anyone's been listening to this podcast, I don't have to say <laughs> to you, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. She, her work has just made a huge difference in my life. So thank you for sharing that, Val. And knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? You know, like I said, a lot of things that on paper look like they should be changed, like marrying the wrong person. I wouldn't change any of that because there really is so much growth, which is such a great lesson, right? But I think the one thing that I would change for sure is just worrying. You know, I would I wouldn't worry and I wouldn't spend any time or waste any time in that place of I think it's so easy for us to think about you know, what should I have said in the past or done in the past and thinking, you know, what am I going to say in the future and do in the future and worrying and ruminating. And that is truly the biggest waste of time, you know, learning lessons and having disasters and, you know, traumas. We learn from those experiences. I don't think anything can be learned from worrying. I just don't. I think it's the one thing that can be totally erased from, you know, humanity and we'll never miss it. So I think that's uh, my biggest regret is just, any time spent worrying and not just being present and mindful and enjoying the moment. I agree a hundred percent. We could, we could have a whole conversation about like what worry doesn't do and what to do uh, instead uh, <laughs> and totally. to, to, to get away. If you find yourself worrying, get in action because you yeah. can't worry and be in being action at the same time. Uh, so that's huge. All right, Val, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Again, there are so many good ones, but along the same lines of what I've been talking about this whole uh, podcast, as I love the quote, it always seems impossible until it's done, <laughs> which I think is by Mahatma Gandhi. I think it's mm -hmm. been passed around a lot, though, so it could be misattributed. Um, but I think it's by Gandhi. And that's just kind of been this, the moral of my life, you know, is, you know, there's kind of this line in the sand. And before then I thought, well, that's impossible. I can't do it. And then now I very much think that's impossible seemingly. And so I want to do it. <laughs> and I want to show myself in the world that can be done. 
And it's so true, right? Everything seems impossible when you get started. And then, but if you look back at all the things that you have right now in your life, at some point in time, they seemed impossible and we take them for granted. All the the little things too, you know, the fact that, you know, I, I live in a beautiful condo on Lake Michigan and I, I love it, but I don't think about how thankful I am for that every day, right? But there was a time 10 years ago where I would have done anything to get to where I am and it would have seemed impossible, um, or all of the things that we have in our life in terms of relationships or health or, you know, our work that we love, all of those things seemed really hard to attain at some point in time, but now, you know, here they are <laughs> and it's possible. So. Absolutely. I think one of the best posts I, I saw on Facebook talked about that, right? If you think, you know, if, if you're standing in a place where you think what you want to happen is so impossible, well, let, let me take you back 20 years ago. Yeah. And stand 20 years ago and think about everything you have in your life right now, like technology wise, what's capable, like relationships that have been built exactly that. And I think that's a good exercise for anyone listening, right? When you want something to happen, but you feel like all the odds are against you and it can never happen. Well, take a look at where you are now and think about what it took to get here. Yeah. Right. There were definitely things you had to go through and there were some challenges, but you got here. You're here. It happened. Um, so I love that quote. All right, Val. Lastly, what is the best way for those listening to connect with you? Sure. And I'm happy to talk to anyone. If you have any questions or just want to chat about anything, um, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. My email is val at valeriegrowth.com. And that's spelled V-A-L-E-R-I-E-G-R-O-T-H.com. There's no W. My website is ValerieGrowth.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at ValerieGrowth. And I'm on Facebook. I'm also somewhat recently on Periscope and loving Periscope as well. So I'm not <laughs> connect to any of those places. And you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at WomenTakingTheLead.com or you can use the short link, which is WomenTL.com. You can find Val's show notes page there and connect with her on all of those platforms and check her out on Periscope, which I haven't used yet. I was going to say drive, driven, <laughs> dove, yeah. dove, dived into. I have not <laughs> dived into Periscope yet but I'm very intrigued by it. So, and Val, thank you so much for taking the time out to inspire and enlighten us because we're all better for having met you. Thank you, Jody. It was great to be here. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, 
It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.